Okay, guys. Happy Monday. Thanks for uh, tuning in. It's another episode of the Secret Language Podcast. It's me, Jesse, coming to you live from the uh, apartment studios. Um, <clears throat> hope you guys had a good weekend. I had a pretty pretty great weekend. Um, we had a friend up who was in town for the weekend just to come see us. Uh, it was good to see them and hang out and kind of do some St. Louis things. Uh, we haven't got to do that much. Um, we moved to St. Louis like a couple days before Christmas, and so the weather here has been pretty foul, pretty uh, uncomfortable. So we haven't been able to go out and to do much. We've gone out to eat at like three different restaurants, but going out and to like experience some of what St. Louis really is was a really awesome opportunity and something that I'm really glad we finally got to do. Um, we had temperatures of like 47 degrees on Sunday, which uh, is a far cry from our like 12 degree Sunday we had the week before. So looking out my window right now, pretty much all the snow's melted. We're starting to feel a little bit more like spring, which is great because I have a lot of running I got to do. I got to start getting in shape. And it is so hard to go out on a run when it is 12 degrees and there's snow on the ground because it's just a hazard. But now with the weather turning, uh, we can start getting into some of that. I can go out and play disc golf again. Just generally better weather puts you in a better mood. I think uh, seasonal depression is a real thing because I've had a pretty lousy week the past couple weeks sitting in my office with not much to do as far as work goes. And then having no sunlight by the time you're done with work, man, it, it was wearing me out. So things are good. Things are on the come up. Uh, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about my weekend. So, um, getting to do some of the St. Louis stuff was really, really awesome. We got to go up to the central west side, which is like the nicer and kind of cooler part of St. Louis that's not dangerous or scary, but still like kind of historic and really cool. Um, one of the first things we did is we went to Pappy's Barbecue, which is my friend Jake's favorite barbecue place in St. Louis. Uh, if you're not super familiar with the regional nature of barbecue in America, um, St. Louis is famous for ribs and Pappy's is considered one of the better ones, probably the best in St. Louis. So we got to go out and try that. And that was pretty fantastic. Um, I still like my, my Kansas city style barbecue better, but I'm a sucker for home. So it was very delicious. I had a hot links sandwich, which really just means I had hot links and bread, but I, this is a hill that I'm willing to die on and I'm going to make this point right now. Sausage, it's like smoked sausage, is one of the most underrated foods to have at a barbecue place. Everyone thinks about ribs or pulled pork or brisket. Sausage everywhere, fantastic. It's hard to mess up a sausage, so it's always done well. And when it's smoked right and it's got barbecue sauce, it's so, so good. Like you think of like a bratwurst and it's better than that. It's like a, it's so good, man. I loved it. It was delicious. Uh, it was really neat. They had a bunch of menus up on the wall of famous people that had been there that they'd written on and doodled on. And so it's like a, a St. Louis staple. It's kind of a kind of a big deal there. So it was really cool to get to go experience that. Um, after we hit the barbecue place, we went to the art museum. Uh, and something neat about St. Louis is that a lot of the like public works 
are free because of private donors. They're able to keep things free. So like if you want to go visit the art museum uh, downtown, you, you go park in the parking lot, which is free. And then you walk in the door and just start walking around. Like there's no fee to get in. It's completely free, and it's awesome. And like the same thing with the the St. Louis Zoo and the history the history museum, all this stuff, it's free. So it it really makes for some cheap, fun ways to spend your time. <sighs> Walking around the art museum was really fun. Uh, we kind of had to sprint through there because we had somewhere else we wanted to be, and I want to talk more about that here in a second. So we spent about half an hour in the art museum and really didn't give it enough credit. But I saw some really cool paintings. The The amount of sculptures they had was really uh, abnormal. Like, it was awesome. They had a bunch of marble sculptures. See, the art museum that I'm most familiar with is the Nelson Atkins in Kansas City, which is a fantastic art museum in its own right. It's probably my favorite in the world, as if I've been to so many art museums. But still a very good one. Uh, but it didn't have as many, like, marble sculptures, like Greek sculptures in it that uh, the St. Louis one had. And that was really, really neat to see. Like, to get up close and personal with it and to look at it, it's unbelievable what people can do carving into actual literal stone to make something look so lifelike. It's It was incredible. So we'll have to go back and do that again. But the reason that we had to run through the, uh, the art museum, the reason that we were trying to rush through, is because we were planning on making 5 o'clock mass on uh, Saturday. And I'm telling you, that was uh, an experience that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. I'm kind of a nerd about Catholic Church. Not not a huge nerd. I don't know a ton about it, but it's something that I'm definitely interested in and something that I find really interesting and kind of intriguing is just the Catholic Church and the way that they, they do things. So if you're not at all familiar, uh, this is the first Sunday of Lent, which is uh, the big, the one of the big Catholic holidays where, as a church, each individual will kind of fast or give up something for Lent that they're going to use as a form of fasting. Then the whole church together gives up meat for the period of Lent, which I think goes for six weeks or something like that, four weeks. I don't really know a ton about it. But I've been wanting to go to a Catholic Mass for a long time. It all kind of started for me when I was at Florida College when I took a church history class, which was super, super neat. Um, I did not get to take the first part of church history, which would run from like the first century to the Reformation, because that's the kind of church history that I'm most interested in. Like if we look at the biblical text and what we have, we, we get a pretty decent picture of like the first century and of what it was like when Christianity expanded from Jerusalem out to other parts of the world. But where the Bible leaves us to where we are now, there's there's so much empty space. And I, I want to know, I wanted to learn about how that worked, but just schedule-wise, I wasn't able to fit that class in. But the second part of church history uh, deals a lot with, almost completely with the Reformation. And so you start in the 1600s with, Martin Luther and the 95 Theses and kind of the breakaway from the Catholic Church. And that was a really incredible class to take, to learn about that and to learn more about the way that the Catholic Church operates 
in the way that they conduct their worship. Uh, it was really, really uh, interesting because having grown up in the Church of Christ just as a Christian, it's also foreign to me, but it's so steeped in tradition and like pomp and circumstance that it, I cannot help but be intrigued by it and curious about the way it works. So that's a really neat, it was a really neat experience to sit down and to experience a mass. Um, so we went to the Cathedral Basilica in St. Louis, which you have to look up. Um, I, I do not understate this when I say that that is the most beautiful building I've ever seen in my life. I'm not like huge into architecture. I'm not a real nerd about that. But that cathedral is gorgeous. Um, it's on the central west side of downtown St. Louis. Like, just right in the thick of things. It's this gorgeous cathedral. And it, it is humongous. But you look at it from the outside, and I thought to myself, I could, I could use a whole roll of film taking pictures of the outside of this building. And, and I think you really could. It's gorgeous with its classical architecture and the, the towers and the domes. It is such a pretty building to be just thrown in the smack dab center of downtown. But then we go inside and it is truly one of the most gorgeous buildings I've ever seen. Everything, and I mean everything, is mosaic. So the, the first room you walk in as you walk in is kind of this little lobby foyer kind of a kind of a room and it's got like gold mosaic with with different scenes up on the ceiling and it takes your breath away and then you walk into like the main uh you kind of walk into the main room i guess we'd call it like the auditorium in like a classic church sense but um the main chapel i think is what they call it you step into that, and it is this giant cavernous room with intricate, gorgeous mosaic all up the walls on the inside of the different domes with depictions of the apostles and the different saints and the baptism of Jesus, like all these different things. And it's it's gorgeous and stunning. And we sit down in the pews, and there's the one chanter, the one guy that's singing. Uh, it was in English. I want to go to a Latin Mass very, very badly, and at some point, me and my friend Ryan are going to go do that, and I'll tell you guys all about it. That That's a whole nother level of, like, Latin, of, like, Catholic tradition that I'm really interested in. But you have the chanter, and they have a set of organs in that church that absolutely crank. I mean, they, they were gorgeous. I mean, it, it you could feel it in your chest. And it was really powerful just to sit and listen to. But we sat through the Mass, and there were the prayers and all the different traditions that the Catholics have with uh, the genuflexing, you know, the, the doing the cross from, like, your heart, your sternum, and your shoulders, doing that whole thing, and responding to what the priest is saying, kind of all saying it together. There was a lesson that was actually quite good, and it was almost ironic in a way that, that it was actually quite a good lesson. Um, and walking away from the Mass, they did the whole uh, 
the Eucharist, which is their version of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and they believe in something called transubstantiation, which is like a $4 word. That means that they believe that the the bread and the fruit of the vine like actually become the flesh and blood of Jesus. Like it turns from one substance into another, uh, which is an absolutely wild concept and takes a whole lot of faith to believe that. But they did all that. And walking away from Mass, just as a whole, um, there were a bunch of conversations that we were having, and I was kind of looking, listening to, and thinking to myself about them, and the way that we, the way that we think about the Catholic Church. Um, the first thing that I think a bunch of us were saying was, "Wow, the guy's talk, his little, wasn't really a sermon because we imagine sermons to be 35, 40 minutes long, and this guy talked for about seven minutes." But it was a good talk. I think he he talked a little bit about the tradition of Lent and something he was giving up, and his first like interaction with a difficult Lent. But overall, he was talking about the idea of fasting drawing us closer to God, which there is biblical precedent for. Uh, there's a really excellent sermon that we heard at the Ellisville Church of Christ here in St. Louis from where we are currently worshiping a church of Christ. But we talked about fasting in the context of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus basically makes this statement that when you fast, fast this way, kind of making this assumption that as Christians, that's something that we will be doing. And he made an excellent point. It was a great sermon. I, I'll recommend that. I'll probably put that. I'll put a link to that in the description of the episode, assuming that I can get the link to that. Anyways, um, but he talked a lot about the idea of fasting drawing us closer to God and how you take this recurring statement in the Old Testament of God saying to Moses and to his people, I will be your God and you shall be my people, which is my favorite theme in the Old Testament, um, it's my favorite thing because it's it's referred to all the way from Moses all the way through the prophets and to the end of the Old Testament. God is talking to his people saying, I will be your God. I, I will be your God. You'll serve no one before me. And in turn, you will be my people. And, and that's what God wants and has wanted all through the Old Testament, even through the New Testament, is to be a God to his people. And so I've had a lot of focus in my life about and trying to think about what it takes to be one of God's people. But apart from that, we were talking about how good the lesson was and how we were all kind of surprised. And I think one of the things that really struck me is that as Christians, as Church of Christ Christian, we kind of tend to believe that we're the only people that have a firm grasp of what God wants or has wanted, and that we're the only ones that can construct good lesson, something that we can relate to and, and feel. And I think that's a mistake. I think doctrinally, a lot of people do not understand Church of Christ Christians, but that doesn't mean they have a complete misunderstanding of God's word. Not completely. Like there are some doctrinal issues that we constantly disagree with, with various denominations. But that doesn't mean that they can't have the right idea, that they can't 
look at the Old Testament and to read that and to have a full understanding of God wants to be our God and wants us to be his people. And that that's what he wants for us now in this new covenant. And I think that we can get that seriously messed up, that we can really kind of think of ourselves as exclusive, like having an exclusive right to understanding the Bible, an exclusive right to, you know, write good sermons. And I think it's just interesting. I think with a lot of denominations and a lot of people that think differently about the Bible and about doctrine than we do, that they're people just like we are, and they have the same ability to grasp the the text, and they might be off on just one or two things, but that doesn't mean that there are other things that they're completely wrong about. That They might have one idea misconstrued, and they understand it incorrectly, but that doesn't mean that they understand everything incorrectly. And I think it's just very... It was an interesting point to be made, in, just to myself, that they want the same thing we want. They want to be good Christians and they want to serve God and they just have some, some things that they've got a little messed up and to see them so earnestly, I think can be really humbling to see that we don't take it as seriously as they do, but we have the truth and they don't. It's, it can put you in your seat a little bit and kind of put you in your place. Uh, the next thing that people were kind of talking about and we were discussing was the deep-seated tradition of the Catholic Church. Um, If you've never been to a Mass, I really recommend it. Like, it's really neat to just watch and experience uh, just sitting down in a Mass and watching them conduct in their worship. Uh, And one of the things that we were walking away talking about was just how heavily rooted in tradition that they are that they get up and they say the same prayer every single week. And it's this, it's like pomp and circumstance. Everything is planned out and done the same way every single mass. And I kind of pointed out to myself kind of quietly and to others to some extent that really we don't do any things any differently than they do. I mean, in... As far as tradition goes, we we are we do exactly the same thing. And if you just look at it from like a zoomed out perspective, week after week, our order of services and what we do is pretty much the exact same thing. the The preacher on Sunday morning will get up and give a different lesson than he did last week. It's not going to be completely identical. He's going to have something different to say, but we will get up. We will start with a prayer which usually will follow, I hate to say it, but usually is somewhat formulaic. And we that's another issue in and of itself. Um, but then we'll sing a few songs. There'll be a couple songs that they're not always the exact same songs that we always sing, but we sing a couple songs. A preacher gets up and gives a lesson that is different, but then we have another song and another prayer, and then we partake of the Lord's Supper. Like, in general the like Christians, Protestant Christians are, we're just as steeped in tradition in the way that we conduct worship as Catholics are. We do things differently and, you know, we don't have an organ and our sermons are usually longer. 
and we we don't believe that the bread and the wine or the grape juice whatever you want to call it doesn't literally turn into blood and flesh but as far as just the big picture goes we do things pretty much identically every single week every time we go worship and in that sense we are also not too different and i think that is something that we so easily miss when talking about christianity and religion is that we think that we're so different and that we think that man i couldn't imagine what it'd be like to be a catholic or a baptist or whatever it is and we think that there's so much that separates us but really and truly we're both as groups of people and as just in in an individual context we are people that want to be found right with god and we want to do what is pleasing in his sight and I think that can help us a lot as Christians to to reach out to other people, especially if they're already religious people, to just, all we have to think about it as it's a course correction. It's not like we have to completely reteach them the Bible or completely teach them the Bible from scratch. I think it's, they already have the motivation to do what's right, and they already have the motivation to to serve God. We just have to point them in the right direction on a couple things. It's not like turning someone from a Satan worshiper to a Christian. It's, we're not so different. And I think that can help us with this kind of us versus them mentality that Christians can often have is that we're all people and we're all flawed and we're all just trying to serve God. And I think in a lot of cases we can find that we have more similarities than we think we do. Uh, One thing about mass that I think the Catholics do better than Christians, and this is not a doctrinal issue, but is I like the kneeling. So if you've never been to a Catholic church, they have these little little things underneath the pew that you'll flip down and it's like a padded little thing just above the ground where during certain prayers they will kneel. And I think that that is an excellent tradition that I think churches would benefit from adopting. Um, one of my professors at Florida College, his name is Nathan Ward, he has this spiel on prayer that I love and I find really helpful. Um, he talks about prayer and kind of the flawed view that we have of it, and that oftentimes in the Old Testament, or in places where we're told about individuals praying, it almost always mentions their posture, that they knelt down and prayed or that they fell on their face and worshipped, or in most cases that means prayer. And that we often don't give it that kind of respect. That we will pray like before we go to bed or before a meal, and there's nothing wrong with praying at those times, but we maybe don't give prayer the reverence that it deserves. Uh, especially praying in bed, uh, Dr. Ward really goes after that. He says, I'm paraphrasing here, Um, is it really wise for you to be trying to communicate with God, something that's so serious and so important to our lives? Is it really giving it the respect it deserves to be in the dark, laying on your back on the most comfortable piece of furniture you own when you're already planning on falling asleep? Is that the best way that you could possibly pray? And he's a big believer and contender that we should focus on posture, that we should 
kneel and be more conscious of the way that we pray physically. And I think that's something that we could really learn something from. I think kneeling is a great tradition in the Catholic Church. To kneel when we pray, it kind of gives you a different, kind of puts you in a different mindset that you're kneeling before God, you're coming before him. It's not like you close your eyes and bow your head, like you're bowing your whole body. And there's something really beautiful and symbolic about that, that I think we could really learn something from. I think that'd be a good thing to incorporate into my personal and daily life. It's not something that I'm going to pretend that I'm perfect at, but it would be, I think it's something that we could really benefit from as Christians. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on the Catholic Mass. I think it was really a neat experience. Uh, I'd like to go back. I'd like to see it in Latin. I think that'd be really interesting because that's, you know, like you're really into it. Catholics are going to the Latin Mass. I think that'd be really cool to go see. Like if you've ever heard like a Catholic choir sing in Latin, it's gorgeous. It's like bone chilling. It's beautiful. So that was the better part of my weekend. Um, I wanted to share those thoughts about mass and about Christianity because that's a big deal. It's important. Um, I am way behind on some of my, some of my goals for this year. Um, I am currently like 23 chapters behind in Leviticus. I'm supposed to finish it by the end of the day on Monday that this comes out. Um, I'm 23 chapters behind, so I have to catch up on that. I'm not very far into my book and I have a week to finish that. Um, this, this month has been kind of crazy. Um, been really busy and not too focused as of late. So, um, I need to work on some of those things. I do have some books lined up that I'd like to read. Um, I'm going to finish my book by the end of the month. That is, I'm not going to let that fall apart. Uh, starting in March, March 1st, I'm, I plan on beginning to read, uh, a book called Here I Stand. It is a biography of Martin Luther that I actually had to read for my church history class at Florida College. I read that once, and I read it academically just to, like, read it for class because I was told to. Um, I'm very excited to read it, um, and kind of get into it a little bit more and not try to fly through it just to, to be caught up, but to really actually enjoy it. Martin Luther had a really interesting life, and he's actually a really great, um, really great example of what faith embodied looks like. And even though, and this goes back to my point, even though doctrinally we would disagree with Martin Luther, what the amount of faith that he had and the way that he unwaveringly stood for what he believed in is something that we have to respect. Like it's incredible what he went through. I mean, he was a martyr. They killed him and they told him multiple times. They gave him a lot of chances to, to recant his beliefs. And he said, and that's, it's where the title of the book comes from. He says, here I stand and I will say no different. Like he stood by what he believed in. And that's an example of faith in a more modern setting that I think we could really learn from. So I'm excited to read that. I uh, picked up some books at Half Price Books this weekend. Uh, the Road by Cormac McCarthy, which is a book I read in high school. It's very, very good. Um, it's post-apocalyptic, and it's just beautifully written, and the imagery is really pretty. Uh, that's a good book. Uh, I also picked up Crime and Punishment, which I'm also very excited to read as a classic. 
I want to read more classics this year. I'd like to get kind of into it. I think starting my year with East of Eden kind of put me on this track of like, I should read more fiction, like some more like classic quality fiction. That'd be a good thing to do. Uh, also on my list, I'd like to read uh, The Side of Paradise by F. Scott Fitzgerald, Looking for Godot, Waiting for Godot. That's a play, but I'd like to read that. Maybe read Othello by Shakespeare. That'd be cool too. I don't know. I have a lot of things I'd like to read, and I think that's a good thing to be excited about that. Um, let's see. Did I watch any movies this past week that were any good? I'm checking uh, my Letterboxd, which is, you know, the app that I've talked about where I will um, keep track of the movies that I watched. Oh, yeah, I did. I watched Parasite, which is fantastic. Uh, it was the best picture winner last year at the Oscars. Uh, it absolutely deserves it. It is such a well-made movie. Uh, I watched it on the Criterion Collection DVD, which means uh, I I had the opportunity to watch it in black and white, which I did. Um, so good. I think it's really a difficult thing to to take a movie that was shot in color and to make it black and white and not to really miss any beats. Like there's one that it kind of doesn't emphasize as well, but in general, still a masterpiece in black and white. Uh, I think it is still on Hulu. So if you're a Hulu subscriber, uh, I would really recommend watching it. It's very, very good. Um, it is in Korean, and so you have to read the whole movie in subtitles, which if you can get over that, you're really experiencing a great movie. Um, really a quality flick. Um, let's see. That's the big stuff. That's been my week, my weekend. Um, like I said, last week, my mom is having surgery, uh, for breast cancer a week from today, March 1st. So, um, by the time next week's episode comes out, I will be back home with my, with my parents. I'll be spending a couple days there just to take the load off and to help, help around the house. So I'll have to record something this weekend before we leave. Hopefully I can do a better job of posting it early in the morning instead of later in the day, like I did this week and last week. But um, thank you guys for everyone that's reached out and said that they'd keep my mom and my family in their prayers. That really, truly means a lot. And it's amazing what God's people can do when we pray together as, as one people. So thank you guys for that. Uh, this week, I think I will close the episode by... Uh, I think I'll close the episode by playing not the usual music, but by uh, closing with a recording from the mass with the organ and the singer. Um, so there's that. So uh, you guys know how the end of the episode goes. Thank you guys for listening so much. It means a lot to me that you're willing to listen to me ramble by myself every week. Uh, it's therapeutic for me to sit and talk about my thoughts and about just my experiences in my week. So I really appreciate you guys um, tuning in and listening to this. Um, if you love this podcast, please share it with uh, your friends, even if they don't know me. I think it's cool. You know, share the podcast with someone you love. Uh, if you hated it, share it with someone you hate. Make them listen to me talk and ramble in circles for half an hour every week. Um, so there's that. Until next week, peace be with you. <laughs>